be with you guys. Um, for the focus of this evening, I'm not going to take too much time. If you'd like to be with us, we'll be in the chapel tomorrow night teaching on prayer. So if you'd like to learn about prayer, please do that. 7 o'clock in the chapel tomorrow night. Grab your Bibles and go with me to Matthew chapter 16, verse 19. Matthew chapter 16, verse 19. We're going to look at two verses this evening, and then I am going to turn it over to prayer because of what Marcus said was the focus this evening. So hopefully this will edify you as we move into a time of prayer. So Jesus has brought the disciples together. They've had a conversation, and he's now asked them, who do you say that I am? And now they're giving their confession. Peter is saying, well, you're the son of God. Uh, and he says, look, that, wasn't, that was my father who revealed that to you. And then right here, he makes a statement. He says, I've given you the keys of the kingdom of heaven, and whatever you bind on earth shall be bound in heaven, and whatever you loose on earth shall be loosed in heaven. Now, what I want to do is I want to talk to you about this term keys. Jesus has given us keys. Um, interesting enough, the Hebrew equivalent for this word in the Old Testament is the word for laws. So this is very important. The things that God does, he doesn't do them arbitrarily, and most people believe miracles are these spontaneous things, but they always follow the nature and the laws of God. And in the kingdom of God, all the things we call the secrets of the kingdom are discovering the laws of God that have always been in his nature. They're always there. They're always consistent. They can be used in every generation, and they work in every generation because they reflect the nature of the Lord. So because of that, we're, we're talking about preaching the gospel, healing the sick, driving out demons, raising people from the dead. Why do we believe that we should go that direction? Why isn't it enough to have God do that 100 years ago and not today? Because his nature has not changed. And because his nature has not changed, we can trust that we should get into this place with the Lord and understand how these keys of the kingdom work. Now, interesting enough, keys represent, I'm going to just list this off to you instead of explaining it because I want to get to the next scripture. Keys represent authority. Keys represent access. Keys represent ownership and control. Keys are also authorizations to do something. They represent power and freedom. So every time we, Jesus talks about these concepts, laws and keys in the kingdom, these are the words that are associated with it. God wants you to understand that he has been raised from the dead and he is seated right beside his father and his people have now been given the keys, the authority, because of who God is and because Jesus has been raised from the dead to do these things. And I don't know about you guys, but most of the time when it comes to praying for something hard, I look to my emotions if I can do it. Do you guys do that? How do I feel about that? Which is probably the saddest way to look at something, if you guys are with me on that. So we're going to uh, take an adventure here. Hopefully this will help you. Um, I've been studying the prayer life of Elijah over the last month. Isn't that interesting? So why that? Well, because Elijah's prayer life is the only prayer life that's mentioned in the New Testament as the example of prayer. So would you turn with me to James chapter 5, and let's start in verse 16. 
James chapter 5, verse 16. Now, this is really important. If you, if you, I actually was talking to a gentleman who does seminars on prayers all the time, and we got into this discussion about, okay, so through the New Testament, they could have explored anybody else's prayer life. They could have explored Moses's. They could have done Samuel's. They could have done anybody else, but it was Elijah who was chosen to be the reflection of, here's a mighty man of prayer, and he's going to be used as the New Testament example of what every believer should be able to do in prayer. Now, if you have not had a review of Elijah's prayer life, let's kind of look over it again. He um, stopped rain for three years. He called lightning down and struck down armies. Uh, he uh, healed people of things. Uh, and then ultimately... Uh, led um, a revival of the nation of Israel to God. So his prayer life touched political, life and death, supernatural things to defeat your enemies. I mean, my goodness. Uh, how many of you have been in a prayer meeting where you say, Lord, that person's harassing me, and a lightning bolt comes out of heaven and, and destroys 50 of them? <laughs> yeah, okay. <laughs> I should have expected that from Jared. So let's keep moving forward. So, and I, I know that you guys have seen this, but here we are. Here, his prayer life is being used as the example of New Testament prayer, and it's picked up by James. And here he's talking about just learning to live as believers, and then he enters into, isn't it interesting, he's talking about how to treat each other, and then it's like he shifts gears and he talks about Elijah's prayer life. And sometimes everyone thinks, well, what he's trying to deal with is... Um, his prayer life, but it's interesting, why would he stick his prayer life right in the middle of talking about how to get along with believers? Okay, so verse 16, therefore confess your sins to one another, pray for one another that you may be healed. Now, do you guys get it? He's just gone through this thing. You guys need to start acting like functional Christians that act like Jesus. I'm going to compare how powerful your prayer is and we're going to use what God wants to use from the Old Testament to show you this is how serious your prayer life is before God. And it says this. The effective prayer of a righteous man can accomplish much. Elijah was a man with a nature like ours. He prayed earnestly that it would not rain, and it did not rain on earth for three years and six months. All right. Man, I had to sit here and write all this down, I'm like, uh, if you guys ever have to do this, you'll enjoy it a lot. I'm sitting in a meeting. God's telling me, oh, go over here and start doing this. And I'm trying to write the message while I'm sitting in the chair. It's so much fun. Let's take the word effective. It says, the effective prayer. Now, this is interesting. This is the word that's used in the Bible for entering into a violent storm and standing your ground to possess something. Okay, now, isn't every prayer a place you have to get a breakthrough, and it's always something that seems like you cannot get a breakthrough? It's like facing a violent storm. Well, this is what the word effective means. It actually means entering into the fray of something's difficult intentionally to win a battle. So think about it. We're talking about raising someone from the dead, but it, doesn't, it does matter for that, but it matters for everything that you and I face 
there's going to be an insurmountable thing that is going to come against you, and if you enter into the fray of it, this is what God has called you to do. Uh, how many of you want your prayer life to be, well, I just pray, and then, as I always say, I watch the Broncos and they lose a football game. It's like there's no, there's no struggle. It's like we always equate authoritative prayer with no struggle, and yet the Bible gives no concept that authoritative prayer has no struggle to it. And so, you guys ready? That means that whatever is blocking for that breakthrough, you're to, by God's ability, to enter into that storm and begin to go through the storm because you're trying to reach something. And so, what is it telling us here? The effective prayer of the righteous man accomplishes much. So, he's actually saying, look, God wants you to go into the storm because you can change it. There's no one else that can change it except a righteous person. Um, this is where the Bible comes to you and says, look, you cannot do this by the strength of your flesh. You cannot do this by the power of your army. You cannot do this by your wealth. There are certain battles that only righteous people can enter into and get a victory. And it's trying to work through so for the believers to understand this. You're the only ones that can enter into this. So you need to take an account of what's going on inside of you. And now that's why he's bringing up Elijah. He says um, he's a man with like a nature like you. This is not a sinful nature. This is the Greek word for it. it has the same emotional response that you do in difficult situations. So you guys ready? God tells Elijah, okay, start praying that doesn't, uh, that doesn't rain for three years. He has the same emotional makeup that you do in that hard place of prayer, and he entered into it. And what the Bible is trying to say is don't go to where your emotions are and your weakness is at and say, because of my frailty, I can't gain a victory because the Bible is trying to say your prayer, you're trying to reach something in prayer that's not based in you. The whole purpose of prayer is to reach that place so something gets released that changes something. It's not about how you feel about it. Uh, do you guys ever have these conversations with the Lord where he says, hey, keep praying for something? You're like, well, I've done it more than a week. And then you think, and I'm tired of this, and I'm tired of being defeated in this, as Marcus was sharing with us. That's the, that's the makeup of being all of us made out of the same material. You guys are just like me. I'm just like you. Well, that seems too hard. And what if I fail? And how am I going to feel emotionally about it? And the Bible's saying, hey, that's the storm. Enter into it. Recognize that's the storm. Just enter into it. Stop worrying about how you're going to feel about it. You're going to feel awful. Great. Go to it. <laughs> so can we talk just for a moment? Can we talk about weakness so we can enter into the strength of God? Every time someone asks me to pray for a difficult thing, there's this internal thing that happens in my stomach. And it's, where's the man of faith? The minute someone asks me to pray for something, I'm like, I don't have the faith. Do you guys ever do I don't have the faith to do that. And I have this reputation to protect now, and if I pray and it doesn't work, what am I going to do? Forget the reputation thing. I, I don't want to feel like a failure, and is it going to be proven that I'm really not a righteous person, or I have no authority, or I, I, I'm just a wimp in the kingdom? I mean, all those things are a part of what's going on when we pray for difficult things. So, why does God want us to enter into the fray? Let's keep going. 
He prayed earnestly that it would not rain. Now, this is interesting. This word, now, see how it started? It said the effective prayers of a righteous man. Then it says he prayed earnestly. So it's doing two different emphases as a prayer right here. The effectiveness is the person that's willing to go into whatever it is to possess something. That's one type of prayer. There are people that are willing to, you can convince them, let's go after this. But after you get there, you need to now come into a place that's called, I'm amazed that they translated here, um, earnest prayer, when it's actually prevailing prayer. What is prevailing prayer? So what's really interesting is it means to go from a wish or a desire into what's called in-breathed, faith-filled encounter with God for breakthrough. So what is prevailing prayer? I move past myself and I connect with the Lord and then an impartation of in-breathed faith is released inside of me and I grab onto something. All right, now, what does that mean? When it says, now, that's what it's saying. The effective prayer of a righteous man, and then it says, accomplishes much, or the, yeah, accomplishes much. Let's take that word accomplished. It's really interesting. Effective prayer of a righteous man accomplishes much. That word for accomplish is really interesting. (laughs) And it's used in other places, and you're going to find this fascinating. This Greek word, accomplished, is used in other references when it talks about the working of a miracle. Now, what's interesting about that is it actually means to work, or it actually means to, ready, grab an electrical current. Isn't that interesting? That's what the word means. So the person that goes into the storm is looking to grab an electrical current of the resurrection power of Christ, zap themselves with it, (laughs) and then speak or pray into a situation and get a breakthrough. Now, have you guys ever had to, like, pray until you get into the glory of God? That's the idea of prevailing. And a lot of times this isn't nurtured in the body of Christ. We just, well, let's just pray, and we have, like, what we call a menu of prayer we pray, and yet we have not entered into the electrical current of the glory of God to zap us. And until we enter, you guys ready? We're not in prevailing prayer until we hit the spirit of the Lord. I was just sharing... uh, it's amazing I came in here, Marcus kind of just laid out all this to me, and I'm like, this stuff's always a setup by the Lord. I just got done doing a conference, in Wis- and I'm going to be done after this. I just got done doing a conference in Wisconsin, and I'm teaching on God has not given you a spirit of fear, but of love, power, and a sound mind. And I go off the stage, and I'm heading back to this table, and this person comes up and grabs me and says, hey, you know, you, you just got done with your sermon, and we're praying for this lady, and she's manifesting a demon, and we don't know what to do. Would you come and deal with it? I'm like, okay. So, um, by the way, have any of you had the joy of driving out a demon? Isn't it a lot of fun? It's just so much fun. If you've never done it, go, go hang out with people that are pro- have problems with demons. It's just a blast. So, we start going over there. 
I'm walking over. She's crying. This woman that I have to pray for, she's crying. And, and, and the minute I walk over there, all of a sudden her body locks up and her eyes start rolling back of her head. And I'm looking at her friend. What is she dealing with here? And as I'm saying it, the, ready? the lightning of God hits my soul. And I went from being mild-mannered Brian from Kansas City to having the authority and the glory of God on me. And in one moment, because I recognized that live wire of the glory of God, I immediately stepped into the place that God wanted, and I just broke the, I just said, come off her now. And the spirit left her. Are you guys ready? Sometimes it happens in a moment, but if it doesn't, Elijah is the picture. You stay with it. You go into the fray. No matter how long the storm is, you're looking for the live wire of God's glory. That's what's going to touch the situation and get a breakthrough. And that's what the passage is. Isn't it amazing? It's just telling you this in the passage. It's saying, you're going into the fray, which is effective prayer, accomplishes the live wire of the resurrection power of God, and it changes everything. And he's trying to say, this is normal for you. So recognize the pattern of it. Recognize that every prayer encounter is intentionally a struggle. Because you've been called by God to be the only type of human being on the planet that has his spirit in him that's been called to that, that place. So how many of you have been praying for something and you're like, wow, there's all kinds of warfare around this? Any of you have that? You should be blessed almost immediately. You recognize you're in the right place. If that wasn't there, you'd kind of have to wonder, is God in the middle of this thing? And he's showing you now. Think about that. We've been called right now, we're going to now turn, I'm going to turn this over to Marcus, we've been called to pray on something we believe is hard. And we have to touch a live wire of the miraculous power of God now, and that's exactly where God wants us to go. He doesn't want us to go, oh no, I didn't have my right, my, I, I got an argument before the meeting, oh no, I didn't study the scripture today, oh no, I feel weak. He, wa- he doesn't want you to pay attention to that, he wants you to find the live wire. You guys ready to find a live wire? All right, Marcus. I'm sorry. Wow, thank you. Um, in that, I love, I love this example of Elijah because when he, two things that I want to pull from this. The Lord tells Elijah what to pray. He says, hey, pray that it doesn't rain. And Elijah did pray. But what's interesting is uh, Elijah, when we think of his role or like his fivefold gifting, he was um, a prophet and not, we wouldn't think of him as an intercessor. But the Lord didn't say prophesy that it won't rain. He said pray that it won't rain. And so then he prays. Um, and then later on, he says, all right, now pray that it rains. And when he starts praying, it takes him seven times of praying. He prays and then he sends his, he sends his servant and he says, hey, go and look and see if there's a cloud yet. And the guy goes, and he comes back, and he says, there's nothing. And so this, this man who is the example of a beautiful prayer, someone who has, you know, the kind of prayer life that we should emulate, had to pray seven times for the thing that God told him to pray for. And so it, it so much speaks to what you were saying about how having authority in an area to pray for doesn't just mean it's going to be easy. And there's, there's been so many times that, um, that in my own life, I've prayed a short prayer thinking like, well, if I pray too long, then like I'm not standing in my authority, but it's not, that's not always the case. Like the, 
the authority is to stand and having done everything to stand to keep standing. And the authority is that, no, even if it takes me seven times or seven days or seven years or seven decades, like I'm still praying for this thing because God said to pray for it. And so that's what we're going to do. Um, so those are beautiful. That's fantastic. Um, in, in our, our fast, and if you joined us a little after we started, you may have missed, uh, Pastor Marcus announced at the beginning that Dan Crosby, the pastor from Fuel Church that we've been praying for on Sunday mornings, he passed on Monday. Um, but uh, as heartbreaking and devastating as that was, we are filled with joy that God is the miracle worker and he has resurrection power. And so we've been praying this week for Pastor Dan, contending for his life that he would, he would raise up. Um, before he had passed, in the weeks that we've been praying for him, uh, our staff, because we've, we've linked arms with Fuel Church and Pastor Dan for a while now, our staff has just been feeling like there has been this, this battle or this difficulty in monument for so long that Castle Rock is experiencing a move of God. Colorado Springs has a ton of incredible Christian ministries, but there's this high point in between them that just hasn't really knelt to Jesus as Lord yet. And, and there's this spiritual thing there. And so Pastor Dan felt called to move away from something that was comfortable to come and plant and sow and till hard ground and monument. And so when this thing started to happen in his body where the doctors couldn't figure out what was happening, a lot of our staff was like, this feels spiritual, that he's, he's fighting this thing and, uh, and all of a sudden like something kind of undiagnosable is making parts of his organs shut down and there's blockages in the same way that it feels like the gospel is being blocked. And so it just seemed like just too coincidental that while he's doing this work and we're believing for the promises of God to break over monument, his, his body is being attacked. So that's why we've been praying for him every week on Sunday as a congregation. And then in our staff time, we've been praying for him. We had some of their staff come up and we've been praying alongside them as well. And so just a lot, a lot of prayer. So it was beautiful that on Monday, the Lord starts us in a fast, a three-day fast for our church, for our staff. And, um, and after we spend some time praying that day, that afternoon, we get this what would be like really bad news. And we're a little shook because no one, like we all had this expectation that, oh, Dan's going to just get up out of the hospital and he's going to go home because this sickness, kind of like how it says in, in John, is it John 5? John 11. John 11 with, with Lazarus. Jesus hears about Lazarus being sick and he says this sickness will not, will not end in death, even though Lazarus went on to die. Jesus resurrected him. And so we sort of had just that same feeling, like no one thought it was going to get worse. We thought like, oh yeah, like the Lord's going to heal him, the Lord's going to heal him. And then Monday, that was sort of a, that was, that was sort of this, we're supposed to go into the storm, as you're talking about. That felt like the storm. And so we've been, we've been contending. So we didn't know exactly why God was calling us to fast. We just knew like, we feel like we're supposed to fast, and so we'll be obedient, we'll fast. And then how wonderful that the Lord set us up to be in this season of it was already on our calendar to mark out hours each day where we were praying and fasting, and now we had this reason. And so we, we clung to that, and we declared the different prophetic words, and we've been praying, and we haven't yet seen the answer to our prayer, but we haven't stopped praying. Elijah on the, on the mountainside says, all right, you know, I'm supposed to pray for rain now. And he sent, 
sent his person four times, and his servants come back four times saying, there's, there's no rain yet. Your, your prayers aren't working, is essentially what he's saying. And Elijah says, it's okay, we'll keep praying. And, and so we're going we're gonna to push in tonight, and we're going to pray, and we're going to believe that the God of the impossible can do the impossible. What seems impossible to us, we are going to agree on his word. And, and Marcus had shared the testimony of David Wagner at the beginning, and it's, it's the testimony of so many different people who, who, who claimed the promises of the Bible and said, I believe this is true. And if I believe it's true, I believe it's all true. We're not just picking and choosing like, well, some of it's true and this is kind of, no, no, no. If we believe the Bible is true, we're believing the whole thing's true. And so when Jesus says, you guys are going to raise the dead and these signs will follow those who believe, then we say, okay, like we have access to that now. Talking about these keys, we have access and we have authority in these areas. And so they've prayed and they've contended, but it's it wasn't always on the first one, and it wasn't always on the second one or the third one. Some of them have prayed for hundreds of people before they saw the first one that get raised from the dead. We're praying that it doesn't take us a hundred. We'd really love it to be for Dan tonight, right now. But um, but man, we are going to we're going to grip this thing like a like a, a a bulldog on a pork chop, and we're gonna we're gonna go after it, and we're gonna go after it because we believe like. There is something so, um, so significant about what Fuel Church is doing in Monument. God has, God has spoken prophetic words over that region because it, it matters to him. And he's called Pastor Dan to that region because Pastor Dan carries something unique. And he's brought together that congregation under his leadership for just such a time. And, and so to see the enemy's attack on it is is like Brian was saying, all the more confirmation that, okay, like, this is how God wants to move. He wants to move in monument. He wants to move through this church. And, um, and it would be foolish of us to just go hands off and say, oh, well, that's too bad. You know, like, we are going to contend alongside them and, and pray with them. And what's wonderful is their church is, is praying a similar thing. And there are people at the hospital right now from our church and from their church and from Pastor Dane's family that are all praying and contending and saying, no, this is not okay. This is not right. Like, we, we are going to stand in the authority that God's given us, and we're going to say, this is not going to happen on our watch. And so, um, so what I'd love for us to do is, is to, to break up into groups where we can, where we can pray together. Uh, we don't want it to just be Marcus or myself or our pastors or our teaching team to do all the praying, we believe that you guys are filled with the same Spirit of God, and you are this James 4, you are these, these righteous people, uh, not just because of, of our actions, but also because of, of what Jesus has done. So we have positional righteousness, and we have behavioral righteousness, but we have both of them. And so thank God that it's not just by our actions, or by our works, or by our, how good we've been this week, but it's by how good Jesus has been this week, and he's been He's been really good this week. I don't know if you guys kept tabs. He's been great. And so we can enter into that righteousness and we can pray with this boldness and, and we can contend and we can cry out for a miracle. Excellent. Um, Marcus, is there anything you want to add to that before we jump into groups? Okay. Yeah. And then we'll go. Great. Okay. So while you guys are moving and mingling, do some introductions. 
A lot of times we recognize people and we remember, I met them last time, but I forgot their name, so don't feel bad. Say your name, shake their hand. Um, and then I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to pray. I'm going to share just, I'm going to pray, talk a little bit. It'll be both of what God's been putting on our hearts uh, as the staff as we've been praying these kind of last Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, and, and it'll just come out in a prayer. Father God, we are so thankful, thankful that uh, there is power in our faith. We are thankful that there is power in our prayers, but we're, we're most thankful that there is power in the name of Jesus. And so we come holding the, the name of Jesus, the name above every other name, and we say it's not by our own strength, it's nothing we can do. Uh, it's not in our, our pride or our uh, studies or our intelligence or our eloquence. It is only by the grace of God that we come before the throne of grace and we say, God, pour out your spirit. Pour out your spirit in such a way that that spirit becomes breath inside of Dan and it raises his body to new life. Father, we want to contend tonight. We want to reach into the eye of the storm, and we want to grab hold of that electrical current of your glory. Lord, we want to pray powerfully, not because we are eloquent, eloquent, but because we have the Spirit of God praying with us. We thank you how the New Testament writes that when we don't know how to pray, the Holy Spirit prays within us, that he gives us the power to pray, and so we cling to that power. We throw ourselves on that power, and we say, God, we need you because we don't even know how to pray the right things. Lord, we pray that you would fill us with your prayers. That just like you told Elijah what to pray, Lord, tell us what to pray now so that we can pray it. And when we pray it, Lord, I pray that we would continue to pray it faithfully until we see it happen. We pray it the once, the twice, the three times, all the way into the seventh time until it happens. Lord, we thank you that you have given us authority in this area. Lord, we thank you that you have given keys to the kingdom, that we have access to these things. And we thank you that we can pray boldly, knowing that this is in your will. That it's not your will for someone who has, has plans and strategies and prophetic words from heaven for his region. This isn't his time yet. This isn't, this isn't in your will. And so we agree with you to say that he's going to rise up. We, we declare your will that, that Pastor Dan has a work to do in Monument. Oh, Father God, we thank you that you are, are writing faith onto our hearts. For some of us, this is a, a stretch. We haven't had to pray this way before. We haven't, we haven't been asked to pray this way before, and this is a bit of a stretch. But Lord, we thank you that you are the author and the finisher of our, of our faith. And so we just ask that you would author new faith into our hearts to believe for the impossible. With, with, with humans and with man, Things are impossible, but with God, nothing is impossible. And so, Father, write that new faith onto our heart. Lord, we pray that you'd write new faith and extra faith and more faith and rich faith and deep faith onto the hearts of those who are in that hospital room with them right now. Lord, we pray that you'd continue to stir them up. We pray that you'd continue to... You want to do that? Yeah. I just want to encourage you, too. Sometimes it's really hard to plug into the Spirit, like Brian was saying. 
And so I just want to encourage you, if you want to pray in the Spirit first for a little while, that'll help you so you're not praying out of your intellect or out of your emotions, okay? And so, and if you don't pray in the Spirit, just, you can just pray in the Spirit in, in your native tongue. But if you pray in tongues, that's great. But I just want to encourage, that'll help you. Otherwise, you'll be praying out of your intellect or your emotions, and that's not so good. Lord, we thank you. This is the verse that came to me, and then you guys will take it over in your group. Jesus said to John, Fear not, I am the first and the last. I am the living one. I died, and behold, I am alive forevermore. And I hold the keys of death and Hades. Lord, we thank you that you have overcome death. We thank you that on the final day, we get to say, death, O death, where is your sting? Grave, where is your victory? We pull on that reality now. We say you are the living one, and you have the keys to death. And it's you and only you in all of the universe. It's you and only you in all of heaven and earth that can unlock Dan from death and bring him back to life. So we look to you, the only one. We look to you, the living one. Let that life that filled you in that grave and put you back on the earth, Lord, raise Dan from the dead in Jesus' name. Holy Spirit, right now, as Mike and Ray are praying, right now, as his brother and wife are praying, right now, as the fuel community is praying, we ask you to move in power. We ask you to raise Dan up and set him in our region as a revivalist in Jesus' name. Raise him up, set him on his feet in monument, and let him experience the breakthrough in the kingdom that fuel church has been contending for. We say, pour out your glory tonight. Pour out your glory tonight. Pour out your glory tonight. At the hospital, glory. In Monument, glory. In the Front Range, glory. Pick him up right now, God. Set him on his feet. As Elijah was over that young boy, and he breathed into him, and the breath of God came into him. Lord, we ask you to breathe into Dan right now. We prophesy that Ezekiel 37 breath. We prophesy the breath. We pray for the breath. We ask you raise up this general in our region. Send a shockwave throughout Colorado Springs. Send a shockwave throughout Monument. Denver, Castle Rock. A pastor died. His family and friends contended, and God responded with resurrection power. Do it, God. We ask you, start the move of God that we have been contending for tonight by a resurrection from the dead. Start it, Lord, tonight. Start that wave, that wave of healing that you prophesied would come down and flow through I-25. A wave of glory, a wave of miracles. We say tonight, Be the night that that dam is broken 
and the waters flood this region in Jesus' name. Flood this region in Jesus' name. Flood this region in Jesus' name. 